Once again, welcome everyone for joining us. And apparently, I've been preaching a lot about depressions and mental health and all that. And then one day, this 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 child walked up to me, and then he was like, "You're the depressive guy, right?" I'm like, uh, "Well, I talk about depressive things, but I'm not a depressive guy." Well, I am, but as some of my friends would know, we we like to have a lot of negative thoughts, and we have a little support up support club of ours, so Mike's giggling there, he knows what I'm talking about, so, so uh, we have been going through a whole journey this summer on the book of Psalms, and today actually is our very last um, message of the whole series, and and for those who have been following along as well, I've been doing a little bit of a mini-series of my own, and and so hence the titles of the 50 Shades, and so now we get to the last one on Fifty Shades Free, and just a little bit of a recap of what have I been going through together. So we went through um, the concept that we can actually express anger to God, where many times we thought that we have to repress our feelings in, in, in our, our faith walk, and we thought that even when things don't go well, we can't have any negative thoughts when, when, when we come to God. Or, or even on uh, a little later during the Summer, we talked about the idea that your experience of darkness is not always God's plan. That a lot of the times we went through challenges in life, and we always have this conceptualization that that it's just one of the trials that God is trying to put in our lives. And if we don't overcome it, then we start questioning God. But sometimes this is just the nature of the broken world that we're part of. That some things that we encounter. It's not really God's plan, but he would fulfill his plan through this broken experience that we have. And so we've been going through a lot of different lament psalms throughout the whole, whole series. And it's no different today that we'll be going through one last lament psalm together as a community. But before that, I, I would like to explain a little bit that a lot of times when we think of the topic of depression or mental health that it seems that life is full of mysteries and paradoxes. And a lot of times we come into this idea of mental health thinking that, oh, when we go through challenges and difficulties or, or, or the darker sides of our mental health, we think that naturally this is not something that we want, that we would want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. It's kind of like when you you are at home and if you have a pet, you understand, like a dog or a cat, that when you're trying to do work, you're, you're trying to type away on your keyboard and, and then as you're typing, you know, with cats, they like to sit on your keyboard or like sit next to you and get in the way. And then you get really annoyed, like you're trying to get work done or you're trying to do something, but then the cat would just be always annoying you on that on that keyboard, and you can't type right. But in the same time, you can't help but have this little fuzzy and warm feeling, like oh, like the cat is is trying to make time and hang out with me. And and then you're like, oh, it's not so bad. And it's like this paradox that you want the cat to go away, but in the same time, you kind of want the cat there to be with you. And sometimes it's like that with mental health challenges, with um, depression or or, or some sort of a darkness in your health that 
in some way, you want this incident, you want this feeling, you want this um, negative thought to, to go away. You want these things to exit and get away from you. But in the same time, some people actually crave that. It actually gives them meaning as they're going through that darkness, that, that things seem more real than the challenges that they're facing. These, these pain, these um, uh, hurts that they are feeling actually gives them some sort of a uh, existence kind of meaning to it. And, and so it's kind of like this vicious cycle that you, you don't want it, but at the same time you crave it, and so you gravitate your, your, yourselves and your whole world toward these kind of feelings so that it makes you have this kind of almost masochistic kind of feeling that you, you actually enjoy. And it's, it's something that maybe for someone who has never gone through these challenges will not understand, but for those like myself who has been going through mental health challenges, that it's something that it's somewhat um, real to, to, to me, that I sometimes feel like I would put myself in those positions because as much as I hate it, I actually, in the same time, quote-unquote, enjoy it to, to have that experience. And especially when those who are going through depression, you realize that even if you overcome that particular episode of depression, it doesn't mean that you'll be done for the rest of your life, that there are always, almost always, going to be recurrence happening throughout your whole life that studies have shown that most people with depression will have four to five episodes of recurrences throughout their whole lifetime. That even though you overcome this whole stretch, that you, you conquer these challenges of your darkness, that when uh, down the road, a few years down the road, maybe you'll encounter another incident, and then you'll have this challenge of, of, of darkness and depression and, and, and negative thoughts once again. And so it's kind of like a vicious cycle where you might have some sort of event. And whatever it may be, it would trigger some sort of a, uh, a feeling that you might have before. And it's based on your experiences. And these experiences ends up triggering some sort of a dark side of you. And, and then somehow, hopefully, you would overcome it. But not for long, something, another event would happen and then it would trigger you. So, so for those who are encountering mental health challenges, this might be something that is very common, that is very familiar to, to people like me, where you'd be always on some sort of these kind of cycles. Like you might be on a different stage that you feel like sometimes you get really drained and weary, that you can't overcome the cycle, that you're always at some point in, in these kind of cycles, and it's very hard. And I think that said, the verse that we're looking today, we're actually just looking at one verse, because there's so much to talk about in this psalm, that just this first verse of the psalm will tell you a lot about what goes on for those who are going through these cycles of darkness. And I'm pretty sure the psalmist was probably going through very similar experiences in, in his or her life. And this very verse 
is also very famous to us because this is one of the last words that Jesus spoke before he, he died on the cross. And in the original Hebrew language, these are only five, these are only six mere words that was um, on the original Hebrew language. But it comes in with so much packed meaning and frustration that someone would express towards God. And so we're going to break down these little components together this morning on what exactly this verse is trying to convey. So first of all, it talks about the idea of my God. My God. And you know that when we talk about, when we call somebody as God, when we call somebody as our Lord, it means that we look up to them when we have our challenges in life, that we realize that they are the ones who can save us. They, that this is the very being who may save us if he, if he chooses. And because he is the loving God, then he should be the one who would save us if all things are to be at hand. And in other words, you can say, when we say we can, it means that we acknowledge that he is the God, the Lord over this universe, that he has all the power and his abilities to deliver us, to, to overcome darkness, to, to bring us out of the situation we're at. And in the same time when we say that he may, it means that he is sovereign, that he is not bound by any will, that just because he is God, he can choose to save us if he wants to. And at the same time, when we said he should, it means that he has a duty because of our relationship to not put us into these situations. That we think that because we are his children, that he as a father, if we know any loving father, he has the duty to deliver us out of this darkness. But the problem is, in this experience, we know that what the psalmist experienced was that this God, this Father, did not do what he expected. This Father, this God, did not do what he expected of him to do. And as we go on, the, the word that really stood out in this question is the word why. And we talked about this before a while back, that when we ask why, a little bit of a rhetorical question. It's not so much we want the reason why these things do happen to us. We are not asking the logical explanation as to why these chain of events happen. But rather, it's a very personal-driven question. It's more on the issue of why, of all people, am I the one being neglected by you? Why, of all people, that I have done all these things for you, that you would not come and rescue me when these things happen. And then we get to the end of this question that the psalmist was asking. Why have you forsaken me? The word forsaken is not just as simple as leaving someone behind. It's not as simple as forgetting some person. It's not as simple as just 
choosing not to do something about it. But the word forsaken means that you deliberately come up with that conclusion that you want to cut off from the connections between you and whoever that you're in connections with. That you want to draw the line. Almost like when you have friends where you get into fight and and you said, I'm going to cut off this relationship with you. That no matter what happened, I'm not going to do anything good or bad to you. That I'm no longer going to be wor- worrying, caring, or, or showing my compassion to you anymore. And how else can you feel when you go through that? When you're going through these challenges and darkness in your life? When you hear this? Or when you feel that you're being forsaken? That that you go through these helplessness and then you know that this person can do something, but they choose not to. That you feel that you know better that I can't overcome this myself. That you know better that I'm not good enough to, to overcome these challenges. But why then, in the same time, do you choose to leave me behind? Why, of all circumstances, do you choose to not come and rescue me? And that's kind of the severity of mental state of being that this psalmist was going through. That he feels that this God who can do everything, this God who is loving, and this God who supposedly has a special connection with me would choose to cut off on me. What have I done to deserve this? And likewise, this is what it's kind of like when we go through these repeating cycles of darkness that maybe there are times where we feel that God is with us, that we're able to overcome these challenges because God was there. But maybe from time goes, this feeling of God is with us, this feeling of Emmanuel would slowly kind of dwindle and dwindle and dwindle until we feel like when we go through these challenges again, we, we, we start to question, where is God of all these things? And if God is real, why is he letting me going through these cycles of darkness? And why doesn't he just break the chain and say, okay, that's it, like, this guy has suffered enough that I'm just going to break this whole vicious cycle so that he can actually have a life of joy and fulfillment for the rest of his life. And you can't help but ask, why wouldn't he do that? And in the same time, we might have this myth that goes at the back of our mind when we go through these challenges. That because of these experiences that we're getting throughout our whole journey, that we might overcome one, two, or even three episodes of emotional darkness and depression. But it keeps coming back. And you, but you can't help but feel it's because of our spiritual immaturity that we're continuing, continually experiencing these darknesses in our lives. That because we haven't grown up spiritually, we are not resilient, we're not good enough spiritually, that we are continually suffering these episodes ourselves. But the good news that Jesus has shared with us, that this has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. That our perpetual suffering of darkness and depressions in our lives. It's just like we said last time, the nature of the way this world is. 
because of the sins that have overcome before in this world that we are going through these darknesses ourselves. And so to understand what then shall we do, how can we make of all these experiences that we're going through, how can we come to terms with the reality that we're going to go through these cycles? How can we actually overcome for real these situations? We'll have to look at this word that is in our language. This word in our language. The word, if you know Greek, this is actually the word, the, the letter phi. And so if you put the whole thing together, it's actually the word fear. This is the word fear. That the word fear is quite interesting. It is the thing that we tend to hold very closely when we lose our faith. That once we no longer have this faith in us, we start to experience fear in our lives. Of the uncertainties of the, of the incoming doom that we experience or these potential realities of darkness that we're facing. Fears, the feeling of fear is the thing that shackles us from wanting to try and do anything differently. That even when God is seeking us, actively approaching us, because of fears, we don't want to take that opportunity. We don't want to take that chance to, to risk ourselves for any more potential harm or hurt that we might experience when we extend ourselves. But the funny thing is, this word fear in the original Greek language is actually the word that means to try. The word to to do and to act upon as an opportunity and experiences. And this is the same root word, the root word that we get the English word experience. The P-E-R is actually a transliteration of the P, the P-H-I into experience. It's the same root word that we get the word experiment. It's the same root word that we get the word expert. That it is from the trying that we get our experiences. It's from our trying that we experiment with things and we advance as a society together. It is from the experience that we get. It is from the overcoming or failure or, or just the mere act of trying that we become experts in the things of a particular field or study or wisdom. Over the whole Old Testament, the word forsake occurred 200 times in the whole Old Testament Bible. But throughout these 200 occurrences in the Bible, there was not a single time that this word was used when, when they talk about God forsaking his people. That, but rather, there is probably an action and an incident that happened. It is because of the people choosing to reject God. It is because the people choosing to not turn to God that God would forsake them. And more often than not, of these 200 occurrences, the word forsake is taken in a negative kind of tone where, or negative context where it's not so much God is forsaking his people, but rather more often than not, is to say that God will never forsake his people. 
that when we talk about forsake, it's usually used as the term God would not forsake his people. And so when we talk about the idea of trying on, on the word fear, on trying, God is always waiting for us to try, to make that effort to, to, to overcome these fears, to just be able to open up and to try. And he is always on the other side waiting for us, extending his hand, waiting for us to reach our own hands to him. Just as in Psalm 22, at the very end of the psalm, the psalmist says, of all these trials, of all these challenges, we don't have to fear that at the end of the day, hope is going to come and that deliver, deliverance is going to come because he, the very God, has done it. <clears throat> that he, the very God, has done it to deliver us and overcome all these darknesses that they're experiencing in the time of Israel. <clears throat> and in the same way, when Jesus was hung on the cross, despite going through all these trials and rejections, and even to the point where he felt that he was being forsaken by his very Father, he uttered these last words, that it is finished. Because he knows that by him participating in this act, that God has completed the whole act of salvation, the very pinnacle of the salvific act is now complete. And in the same way, when we look at Psalm 23, just as we finish with 22, that he has done it, we are able to experience this psalm of comfort, this psalm of encouragement, that the Lord is our shepherd who will guide us, that even though we go through the valley of shadow and death, that we will have no fear because he is with us. And he, at the very end, will bring us to this temple for us to be with him forever and ever. And so a lot of the times, faith is like a paradox as well. And if you want to learn more about faith as a paradox, I'm sure Uncle Henry Liu will talk to you more about it in his Sunday life group. But at this time, I like to say that faith itself is a paradox because faith requires us to put our whole self into something that we cannot fully grasp. That faith requires us to put our all and our whole into something that we cannot grasp. And in the same time, in our own life, as we're going through faith, our biggest spiritual darkness, our biggest spiritual downs in our lives often occurs in communities that we're part of. That it is the disappointment from the people around us that we experience our spiritual darkness. But the paradox is that it's also in the community that we experience some of our biggest spiritual highs, our spiritual epiphanies are usually the ones where we are in presence of the entire community. Which is why when God gives us this community through Jesus, this is his plan of carrying us through in times of darkness and challenges that it is in the presence of a community that we can go into this world and break the chain of darkness. That it is in the presence of the community of the church that these things are able to be overcome 
in the presence of a community. And so when he said he has done it, it doesn't mean that it is something that would overcome in an instant, in a day, in a week, or even a month. But in a lifetime, as we walk together as a community, God himself has promised us that as a church, he will never forsake us, that he will walk alongside of us until the day he comes back. And so, to be part of this community, it means that we have to overcome these challenges ourselves. That a lot of times, because of the fears of rejection, the fears of judgment, the fears of criticism, that we're not able to fully immerse ourselves as part of this community of God together. And if you look in the New Testament, in the Gospel, it's very interesting where you hear these stories at the last part of Jesus' life, where when he's about to be betrayed and captured, he went through into this garden where he prayed really hard that he does not want to take this cup. But then at the end, he decided that if it is God's will, he would take it for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. And so you can't help but think, how would the people who wrote the gospel know about this? There's no way they're just like secretly stalking Jesus at the back in the bushes and then trying to see, oh, what is Jesus doing now? What is he praying? There has to be a time when Jesus probably was being open to his disciples of his own struggles, that he, which is why he asked for prayers from his own disciples, that he knows this is something that he's, even he, as the Son of God, because of his human qualities, that he would go through these struggles himself. And this is what we, we need to strive for as a community, that as a community, we need to be become one where we can feel safe, we can feel empowered to be open about the struggles that we're going through in our lives, that maybe we can't be open for the entire community, but maybe through the love that we have, the compassion we have for one another, we can be able to find people that we can share our darknesses, our challenges in our lives, that, that in face of these darkness these cycles of darkness. We have people to turn to, to ask for prayer, to ask for, for, for them to, to walk alongside with you when you go through these challenges, to help them, to, to help one another find God in the midst of these difficulties and challenges. And that's what the church is about, that in reality, we might look like we're a loving, caring community where everyone's health, healthy and joyful, and happy, but we're not going to lie to ourselves, right? Like, we know that there are people struggling, and from my own experiences, there are many people struggling in our midst, whether it might be with mental health issues, or just spiritual dryness, or even being burning out, or even facing marriage difficulties, that they are struggling, and they don't know how to get out of these cycles of darkness, and they don't feel comfortable because of the fears that they come and face as they're going through these challenges. And so my prayer to us this morning is that as a community, that one day we can be this community just like what Jesus did with his disciples, that we can come together to be open 
about our challenges and we can support one another. Not because we can overcome it ourselves or as a church, but because, just as the song we're about to sing, it's because the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimonies that we can overcome these things. So as the worship team is going to come up and lead us in a few more songs together, you, you know that earlier this morning we have handed out some posts for you. And as we're going through some time of worshiping together, we'd like to invite you, if there are things that you're struggling in your lives, things that you feel like you cannot handle by yourself, you don't have to write your name down. You don't have to make it in a way where we can identify you. But if you would like to, that's totally fine as well. You can write down the things that you would need prayers from the community. And then once you're done, you can pose it on this whiteboard here. And once you're done, if you feel that urge, if you feel the Spirit moving you, you can come and take however number uh, of posts that are being posted. And uh, if you do that, you also have made that commitment that you'll pray for this person, this very struggle that they're going through, that you're committed to pray for them for as long as you can until hopefully one day they're open to share about it that they have overcome because of the gospel, the very God we, we follow and the power of love through God and the community. And if you don't feel comfortable, we'd love to have you just join us as we sing the next three songs together. And so before we do that, let us have a word of prayer together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you because of your blood that we are saved from the shackles of sin. But as we live into this broken world, we know that we're still going to go through challenges in our lives. We're going to go through darkness and various periods in our, our journey of life. But we trust and we pray that you will never forsake us. That as long as we hold on to you, we cling on to you, you will reciprocate and you will guide us in these times of darkness. We also pray for the community of VCBC. We pray that we can continue to follow you and we can strive to become one community, that we can be that community that others can find refuge, that they can see that they can, can, can be someone who no longer have to hide about the darknesses in their lives, but they are open to share and find comfort and peace because of you, because of the community. We thank you and in Christ's name we pray.